This week on the Habs Forum, the Canadians have won three in a row, three comeback wins with two OT winners by Cole Caulfield. I mean, I'm hyped. Dustin's hyped. Everyone must be hyped. This is the most exciting this team has been in a very long time. So we're obviously going to talk about all that, how we're tied with Winnipeg in the standings now. Could very much slip ahead of them and then face off against Edmonton in the first round instead of Toronto. With I think it's a huge difference if you look at the matchup so far this year between the teams. Uh, aside from that, there's been some change, changes with the lines. We're going to talk about that, about Kotkaniemi's development, what's going on. He's been on a bit of a cold streak. And what happens when the injured guys come back. And also, stay tuned at the end of the podcast. We have an interview with a host at Armada TV, Vincent de, de May or de Moy, not too sure to say his name, uh, but de Moy, de Moy, there you go. Uh, stay tuned for that. A great interview. For those who aren't aware, Armada is where uh, Joel Bouchard coached for for a while, so he's he's very uh, he knows a lot about Bouchard. It's a lot of interesting stuff for fans that think that he Joel Bouchard should be the next head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. So for sure, stay tuned for that. But first, Dustin, tell us who our sponsor is. The Habs Forum is still brought to you by Manscaped.com. Check out the new Lawnmower 3.0 and the rest of the All Star lineup at Manscaped.com. Use promo code HABSFORUM for 20% off your purchase and get free shipping. Very exciting stuff, guys. Is it as exciting as an overtime goal by Cole Caulfield, though? I don't think it is. Well, having, <laughs> I don't know, having smooth balls is pretty exciting. Uh, I guess that's true. I guess, so maybe Caulfield. they're equivalent. Maybe they're equivalent. <laughs> uh, wow, though. Wow. I mean, I mean, like, so, you know, his first, so this he's four games now, right? The first two games he went pointless. Yeah, and I mean, that's just—I mean, it's—it's it's crazy. Like, and and to think this team, you know, I mean, we went what the first nine games of the seat, uh, nine games that we went to overtime and shootout, we lost, and to win two in a row, no less. That's well. He, here's the question now: is if Cole Caulfield was on the team since the beginning of the year. Would the Canadians have a perfect record in overtime? Because based on the information we have so far, I think the answer has to be yes. You know? I mean, I think he's he's played, I think, roughly one minute of overtime hockey in the yeah, NHL, yeah. and he has two goals. I mean, of course, we're all. I mean, all the haters, all the Leafs haters, and all that. They, they're right away. They're jumping on the like. Let's see him do it five on five. He needs that space or whatever. Hey, all I know is that when the moment is big, he 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 doesn't miss. You know, like it. it not a lot of rookies could just have these opportunities and just put the perfect shot on net. I mean, the first overtime goal. If you if you watch the play that leads up to it. This, just his intelligence in finding open ice and just knowing exactly where to go. I mean, first of all, prompts to Duchamp's like whole overtime strategy that everyone loves to hate because that's what created that first Caulfield goal because they were gassed. Uh, Kachuk was stuck on the ice for the entire overtime. They could not keep up with the Canadians because of that whole like keeping the puck away, playing playing keep away, and then keeping the the, the people on the ice. But then Caulfield, like you could see it develop. You knew it was happening. And it's, it felt like it was happening in slow motion because I could see it was going to be open and the pass was going to be there. Is is it actually going to happen? And then it happens. And then just a perfect shot yesterday to get that 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 like that top corner. Like I think it hit the post and went in. Oh my god! I mean, just he just knows how to finish. And this team is what the team has lacked the most 
maybe short of a puck-moving defenseman, has been Finnish, and it's fucking fantastic to have. Man, like, yeah, when's the last time the Canadians have – now, obviously, it's a small sample size still, two goals in four games, you know? But, I mean, when's the last time that the Canadians had that that kind of a sniper with that kind of a shot? I mean, it's uh, – And you they know, have two I, now because Toffoli is, what, is the, the fourth in the league in, in, in goal scoring right now? Like, geez. Who would have expected that? Tyler Toffoli. Like, like it's, it's, he always just seems to be in the right spot at the right yeah. time. Yeah, like he almost never misses. Have, like he's not, he's not that great of a skater. Doesn't really have like a great, like he has obviously a good shot, but he doesn't have like you know a, a top level shot. But he's just always in the right spot. All never seems to miss. You know, I mean, twenty eight goals. Man. Who just, I, I feel like he's been getting better and better. I feel like he's running high right now. He's on a, a high. This must be one of the best. Or it's probably the best streak of his career because he he's he's nearing his his best goal total total ever in his career while playing much less games. So his goals per game right now are absolutely through the roof for him. So he he's just on fire. And even compared to the beginning of the year when he was dominating, getting those hat tricks against Vancouver and all that, now in every game he just seems to like he he seems like his hands got better. He's he's taking more risks. There's there's multiple times a game you'll see him try to pull off a few deeks here and there. And I don't know. He just, he's on absolute fire. Like he's been great all year. Don't get me wrong, but it's even, even better uh, lately. And that now you have all these weapons. It just, it just transforms the team so much to have like to fully firing all cylinders, cylinders, great chemistry with, with Suzuki and, and Caulfield, even though he's only scored three on three, all his games, he's had a lot of scoring chances five on five. Like people saying that, oh, I want to see it happen five on five are just being disingenuous. He's just yesterday. I mean, sure, I guess that was also five on four. But just yesterday on the power play, he hit he hit the post. And on that post, he 100 percent beat the goalie. It, 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 like the, the, the what's his name? Campbell had no idea where that puck was. And his release to shoot it so quickly while not being on his one-timer side, it just no one else on the team can do that except this 21, 20, 21-year-old kid. No, exactly. I mean, he's he, – like you said, I mean, even when it is five-on-five, five, like, no, he hasn't scored yet, but it's he's always buzzing out there. He's always – you know, he's – how many – I mean, he's got a bunch of shots, you know. He, he gets a bunch of shots each game, and, you know, there are oftentimes they are some dangerous opportunities. So, no, it's it's not a fat – it's not a matter of fact. It's just three-on-three. Three. I mean, he's doing it five-on-five. Five. It just hasn't gone in yet. But, uh, I mean, I'm not too worried about him scoring five on no, five. No, no, if you If you look at the advanced stats, the expected goals for and all that, he, I mean, of course he's, he's getting sheltered minutes, as he should. Like, there's nothing – there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But still, his, 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 all, all his advanced stats have looked great. His expected goals for and all, it's, it's going to come and just – just to, to get his first two goals in overtime like this, and I, I just I've been I've been losing my like just think of just a week ago we were talking about how boring this damn team is and how boring those games against Calgary were. We went through a, a month of half the time I was watching the games because I felt like I had to because we were going to do the podcast and I kind of feel almost guilty not watching the games. Or at least having them on while I'm distracted by other stuff because of how boring and depressing it was to watch this team. And now we have three 
comeback wins in a row. Now, one thing, though, as exciting as it is to have a comeback win, it, like, okay, at, at some point, it'd be nice to score the first goal and just kind of hold on to the lead and, like, enough with the comebacks. You know, let, let's let's have a more less stressful, decisive win uh, uh, going forward. But, man, it's been fun to watch the Canadians again for the last week. Absolutely. I mean, you know, those three comeback wins in a row, I mean, it shows definitely a lot of character. Some Something that, I mean, I feel and I think a lot of people feel that the Canadians were lacking the last yeah. couple of weeks, the last couple of months. But, I mean, definitely not the, not the case the last couple of games. And, you know, I mean, I think Caulfield, you know, just the the energy that he shows out there and having that young kid come in, you know, give his 110 percent and to score two big goals like that. I mean, I think that's definitely been energizing for the team as well. Absolutely. And so. you can tell that the team loves him. Like, the way they reacted to his first OT goal, well, first of all, even his first game, you could see the clips of, uh, uh, the, the, I, I, you couldn't tell who, who yelled it out, but someone said, uh, was yelling when, when he was first walking out, because they, they let him do his, like, initial kind of, like, skate around the ice uh, without a helmet on, and someone was yelling out, here comes the future, here comes the savior, like, like they're, they're very aware of what goes on on social media, you know, like, Oh. It, it, these these modern players, I mean, they're all they're our age, right? Like they they they, they you look at Tyler Toffoli's wife is like huge on Twitter. She's always tweeting uh, about like his, his funny way he 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 stands when he's like relaxing and stuff like that. They're they're very aware of what goes on online, and Caulfield has been all the talk of Habs Twitter. So I mean, these players know that too, and they seem to share the excitement, and they they've clearly welcomed him with open arms that they're making fun of him. There was that story that after his first goal, they gave him the whole, the classic silent treatment thing and then went crazy. Corey Perry picking up the puck for him to, to, to give it to him and how they just came to him after the first goal, you would have thought it was a playoff winner. Right. And I think that that's just because it was Cole Caulfield. Like the, the team was so excited for the kid and you just, you just love to see it. And like, and I just mentioned Corey Perry, who would have thought he'd be such a good guy, great leader for this team. <laughs> well, he's one of those guys, right? Do you hate to hate to play against? Yeah. But, you know, love when he's on your team, but yeah, I mean, like you see Caulfield, he's always smiling, always full of energy. You know, I mean, that's, that's what you love to see. And, I mean, I, you know, I think maybe that's something the Canadians were lacking. You know, I mean, they have all this veteran leadership. And, I mean, you know, they they, you know, they weren't, for the life of them, able to string two wins in a row. Yeah. For, I don't even remember the last time they won two in a row. Now they won three in a row. Yeah. Three comeback wins. And we're, what, two, I think a week and a half, maybe two weeks away from the playoffs. They, uh, they're they're getting hot right at the right time. Yeah, right at the right time. Could, could not come at a better time. And, I mean, how many injuries are we dealing with, too? Right but now. He, here's the thing. Let's talk about those injuries because we've been and I've been very, very critical of Shea Weber. And I mean, do Since you miss Shea Weber right now? Uh, well, the Canadians have played some of their best hockey without him in the lineup the last couple of games. And, so and, and he, here's the thing. Here's like I don't think I won't go as far as saying that this team is better without Shea Weber in the lineup. But I will say that this team is better without Shea Weber playing 20 to 25 minutes a game. Yeah, absolutely. And I absolutely. hope that the management is learning this, that Dushalm is learning this in these last three games. I mean, you hope so. I mean, yes, obviously, especially going into the playoffs, you're obviously not going to sit Shea Weber. But if you're asking him to, to, to go out there and play 25 minutes a game again, that's going to be a recipe for disaster. If they can limit his minutes, you know, 
I mean, put him on the second, maybe even the third pairing sometimes. Man, that like that that's that's what's going to be successful for the Canadians. The I mean, thing. they've looked really good on the power play too the last couple of games. Yo, okay, that there's no discussion. If I see Weber on the power play again, I'm going to lose my mind. Like Weber should only be allowed to see the ice on the power play if it's like the one of you know you see it sometimes it's it's the, it's the last 20 seconds the power play has done nothing to generate anything and they're just kind of putting not even the second unit. You know what I mean? Like it's Shea Weber has no place on the power play. It, it feels like the players feel obligated to pass him the puck when he's there, and all he know, knows to do is, is is try to his classic one-timer slap shot. And sure, when he hits the net, sometimes it goes in, but like nine times out of ten, the play just dies on his stick. And and the power play has has looked fantastic. It's done, it's done great. So that. If that they go back to how it used to be when he comes back, I'm I'm gonna lose it because then it's just like what is this old boys club that oh the 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 Weber's back so he, we have to go through him again? No, no, none of that. And and look, it's not the first time we see Petrie bring his game to another level when Weber's out. Petrie thrives when he is the number one defenseman when he is the defenseman that is relied upon to play the big minutes. He has been dominant, absolutely dominant for this team. Similar to how he played at the beginning of the year, we need to 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 treat him like the number one defenseman that he has been. And when Weber comes back, Petrie should still be played like the number one guy, like he has been when he's been away. I mean, obviously you don't separate him from from Edmondson, and and you give him those minutes on the power play as as the one defenseman on the power play. Don't don't change that, please don't change it. Like you look at the defensive pairings at the end of last game and what they were doing at practice today. So you had Edmondson with Petrie, then you had Kulak with Sherratt. Then you had Romanov with Merrill. I think the obvious – I mean, Romanov might sit because he made a lot of mistakes uh, last game if Weber were to come back. I would hope, though, they would leave Romanov in there and Merrill would be the one to sit. Merrill, he's made his fair share of mistakes, too. hasn't been that impressive. And honestly, ideally, I look at that and you put Romanov with Weber and you kind of play Kulak, Sherratt, and Romanov, Weber the same amount of minutes. You know, yeah. but I, I'm really worried that that's not what they're going to do at all. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I, I definitely could see Romanov sitting. I mean, obviously he had a pretty bad game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he hasn't really even been that great. I, you know, I think he had like one or two pretty good games like re- over the last month. But I mean, like, I feel like we, we've said it more often than not that no oh, Romanov not having a great game tonight, yeah. but especially last night. Um, so I'm definitely, especially with the playoffs coming, like I wouldn't be overly surprised to see him sit. Not, not that I necessarily think he should, but like you said, I mean, yeah. Merrill, I, Merrill, I mean, I think he's been pretty solid, but yeah, he, he, he has, has his been. moments. He has his moments. So yeah. I think he could be, that could be a good pairing with, with uh, potentially Merrill and, uh, and Weber though. Like I, I wouldn't mind trying that out uh, because Sherrod, I thought, I think has looked really good without Weber. Yesterday he had a few moments where he looked great and I just think it helps him a lot to just the same way it would help Weber to be with someone who can move the puck a bit better. It would help sure. It helps Sherratt to be with someone that can move the puck a bit better. So both of them look better with, without each other. I mean, Weber, we haven't seen he's, he's been, he's been injured. And, and, and the thing with Romanoff, unfortunately there were big mistakes and mistakes that easily could have cost the team the game. I mean, he, sure. he he gave two breakaways, and there was a third mistake I'm blanking on right, but I remember there was a third one too. But the two breakaways he gives that gave that were clearly his fault, and we were joking that he doesn't he now owes Jake Allen two steak dinners after this game because I mean Jake Allen really saved his ass, and uh, I I just if one of those goals goes in and those breakaways it's goes over. in, that's it. We yeah. we probably lose that game, you know. So no, exactly. I mean, it's it's costly mistakes for sure. Um, you know, it's, I mean things things he's gonna learn from, but. 
Exactly. Things he's going to learn from. And I love that after his first mistake, you saw him back because his first mistake was on the power play when he let, let that first breakaway go through. And I loved seeing in the moment Duchamp going back to him and not benching him after one mistake. So I, I do think that's something that can really hurt player development. But like even Romanov, I think I'll tell you, he didn't not. He got his second chance and he fucked it up again. Like one mistake is one thing, but then two and three times. It probably after a game like that, it probably wouldn't be the worst thing for Romanov to have a game in the press box, honestly. Yeah, well, I mean, especially you know at this time of the season, I mean, we just tied Winnipeg right now. Yeah. It's, finishing third or fourth is going to be a pretty big difference. Yeah. So you know, I mean, that would have been huge if they would have lost last night. You know, I mean, we still would have been two points out. Yeah, it's it. It would have been t- it's it's two big points for sure. So you don't want to you don't want to be giving up those unnecessary goals and that are going to cost you unnecessary points for sure. So I mean, it's not clear when Weber is uh, is gonna be back, honestly. And I mean, it hasn't been really clear what exactly is ailing him. I mean, part of me is wondering maybe he's been hurt all year, and they finally decided to rest him to like all the way to the playoffs. Which, if they finally did that, like thank God, like that 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 is a great thing to to do. I don't know if you saw it was on Twitter. I forget who it was one of the TVS ball guys. He was uh, recording like a one of his standups, and they they just had a shot of Weber practicing by himself, and he just I guess he assumed like he he's well aware he plays for the Montreal Canadiens at this point. Cameras are always on him, and as Weber stepped off the ice from practicing by himself, he pretended like his like back was hurting, and he was walking like an old man. I mean, you gotta you gotta, you gotta give him props for that. That's pretty funny <laughs> from uh, from Weber there. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, maybe, maybe you're right, though. I mean, maybe that's what it is. They're sitting him out because he has been yeah. injured. I mean, you know, it's been no secret that he hasn't been playing, you know, up to par for, you know, I mean, for the last little while, really. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe, maybe that is what what it, what it was. Maybe that's why he's looked really slow and uh, definitely not, not as good as he has been uh, over the last year or so. But, you know, maybe that's what it is. And hopefully, you know, maybe, maybe some time off will do him some good. But now let's say the playoffs. Like, let's talk about the lineup. Let's say the playoffs start tomorrow. Like, I don't think there's any doubt that Weber, if the playoffs were to start tomorrow, he, he's he's playing, right? Like, the I don't think whatever is hurting him is, is keeping him out of the of a playoff lineup. So, are you taking off out Romanov and playing Weber uh, next to Merrill, or is Merrill coming out? It's I I don't think they're gonna take out Merrill either. I mean I think it's either gonna be Kulak or Romanov that's gonna be sitting out. Kulak or Romanov, and I I think I I I think this team needs Kulak. I mean you you look at who does the most uh, controlled uh, exits from the zone and things like Kulak's always up there. Like he's he, he he's a piece that's needed for this team when you consider the other uh, other players on the team. I'd rather bench Merrill than than Kulak personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to argue with that, but I mean, we've seen it in the past. Kulak's yeah. always the guy that sits. So you yeah. know, wh- whether it's the right choice or not, I mean, they went they went and got Merrill because you know, I mean, they they obviously think he can play that role. Um, you know, playing on the playing on the right side, and you know, he's sort of that gritty. But, sort but then of forget about what they would do. What would you you do if the playoff starts tomorrow? What are your defensive pairings, assuming Weber can play tomorrow, and it's the playoffs? Uh, honestly, if I, if I want to win, I I would actually probably sit Romanov. Yeah. If I'm being honest, I mean, I, I I think I think Merrill has been definitely better than Romanov. I think Kulak has been better than Romanov. Uh, you know, it's probably not the ideal thing. Um, you know, but if if I'm strictly looking to win and put the best six defensemen out there, I think I'd be sitting Romanov. 
Probably not a popular opinion. <laughs> but I, I, I think I, I think I would disagree because I think I think the focus still needs to be on the development of the kids. I, I don't know what they, they I think you bench Merrill and you play Romanov, but Romanov's on a very short leash. And as far as the pairing goes, I'd want to see Romanov with Weber. Yeah, I mean I think I think that's a pairing that makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean Ro- you know, I mean Romanov can move the puck. Um, you know, Weber hopefully at that point is gonna play more of a defensive role at that point. Um so I mean hopefully yeah, I mean, I think that's that's definitely a pairing that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, you don't want to split up Edmondson and Petrie. Exactly. That that obviously is is has worked. Um, you know, and and that should be the f- the first pairing. And then aside from that, I mean, I like Kulak know, and Sherratt personally. I think I think that's not a bad pairing. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it has made some sense as well. I mean, and here's the thing: the argument against putting Romanov with Weber early in the season has always been you don't want the kid playing against the top matchups. Well, I don't think Weber should be playing against the top yeah. matchups any, any either. You know that that that's the thing. However, I mean, with that being said, if we were to match up against Edmonton, the best Weber has looked this year at times has been been against uh, Edmonton. He he did he did do a good job against McDavid a few times, but still, that's that. Uh, I mean, but you, unfortunately, you just you you just know they're gonna put Sherratt and Weber back together, even. <laughs> probably, just, probably. I mean, you, you got to think so, but oh, I'm like at the same time, I'm definitely hoping that they're seeing what everybody else is seeing yeah. right now. Um, yeah. So hopefully that's not the case. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm not going to be too surprised <laughs> if that is what happens. I, I do think Zusham's coming into his own a little bit in some ways, because just the fact that before. When Ev- before Caulfield scored his first overtime goals, just the fact that he put not only Cole Caulfield out there but Jake Evans out there at the same time for for that first overtime, and then again there were the, the the two forwards that were on. I think Evans was selling there. So either way, they they were they they went out together again. I mean, I, that's not something you would ever see. I think Claude Julien do is put Evans and, and Caulfield out at the ice at, at, the, at the same time. So to to see Deshaun kind of get away from being just you know. Claude Julien's old assistant and just making the same moves. So uh, I'm hoping that that's a sign of things to come. I mean, you, you saw at the power play, there's a point yesterday during the power play where you could just hear the play-by-play going, Kotkaniemi uh, to Romanov to Caulfield. And it was just it was just music to my ears, you know, just uh, hearing the kids on the same power play unit just passing the puck back and back to each other. So you, you, you love seeing that stuff, and, and you hope, like you said, that he's seeing the same thing while while we're as we're seeing it, you know. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, you know, we're already seeing uh, seeing the youth play now. I mean, uh, and obviously, I mean, Caden Primo getting uh, getting a win on Saturday too. Yeah. So, and he looks solid. Probably his best team. NHL game so far for Primo. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Primo uh, kept him in the game there for a while. So, yeah, I mean, we saw. You know, he's he's been great in Laval uh, this season, and uh, I mean, and he's uh, he might not be too far off from being uh, the Canadian starting goaltender maybe I in a few years. Uh, yeah, a few years. I think he, you still want yeah. him playing a full season in, in in Laval next year. That's for sure. And that, after that, then you can talk about you want him a, a, as a backup for a year or at, at the very least a 50-50 split and all that. You, you got to take your time with uh, with the goalie. But let, let's talk about the, the forward group. So there were updates to the lines today at practice. You know, the first line, uh, I mean, first line, you, you, sh- you, uh, you should probably say actually the first line. It's the Foley, Suzuki, and Army. I mean, they've been fantastic together. Like, I don't care where they slot on the on the, on the on the depth chart. I mean, Toffoli and Suzuki has been dominant uh, offensively for the Canadians. If you look at the stats over the last 10 games, 
They both have 10 points in 10 games, four goals, six assists for Suzuki. And then uh, actually, sorry, Toffoli has nine points, seven goals, two assists. And then Jeff Petrie's got 10 points. And then after that, there's a big drop. It goes to four points for Corey Perry, three points for a few players after that. So they're, they're the number one line. And, and Suzuki and Toffoli should just not be separated. I mean, Army has been solid, but I mean, that's not that big of a deal who slots in there. But then the big news is with Deno, of course, Gallagher and Tatar both still injured. You have... Anderson and Cole Caulfield. Now, I love seeing Caulfield getting more minutes there on a top line. How do you feel about that line in general, though? I mean, that's—I mean, it's two guys that obviously. I mean, I mean, obviously, Toffoli is the leading scorer. He's fourth in the NHL, but but Anderson and and Caulfield are really like you know the the two snipers of this team, right? So um, yeah, they both shoot first. That's for sure. Yeah, they're they're the two players on the team. That don't really – Caulfield comes to be seen, but Caulfield seems to shoot right away. If there's a two-on-one and Anderson has the puck, I don't think I've ever seen him pass it. <laughs> <laughs> no, sure. he, he, he's shooting, okay? So it's two shoot for his guys with Dano. And, I mean, and, that, you know, Dano for like – you know, we know he's not the most offensive guy. But first of all, he's obviously the most defensive of player uh, forward on the Canadians. And he's going to be playing with, with Anderson and Caulfield – they're not the most defensive guys. So he's going to be sort of the, the defensive catalyst on a team. I mean, Dano, obviously we know he's not the most offensive guy, but he's obviously had a lot of success the last couple of years with Tato and uh, Tato, Tatar and, and Gallagher who have, who have had great seasons with him. So, you know, he, he obviously can set these guys up. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. I, you know, if if it doesn't work out, I wouldn't mind seeing Kakiniemi get a shot there. See, see, here's the thing. That's the thing for me. It doesn't make sense to me at all to have Dano at center of that line because Dano's been look. He's bounced back tremendously. He had he ha- he had that that the game time goal yesterday, of course, with uh, less than a minute left in the game, and he's played very solid hockey. But he's not he's not like the the, the greatest playmaker. And the the reason I think the Tatar and Gallagher line worked so well. I mean, Gallagher is just gonna put like drives the net nose down and gets those rebounds and stuff like that. And, and, and Tatar can kind of create his own opportunities. It's not, I don't know if it, it, it's really lines that make sense to me. You want the playmakers with that. And like, I get that cut Kenyemi has been on a cold streak, but I mean, of course he's been on a cold streak. He hasn't, he never has the same line mates for two games in a row. He gets moved around from left wing to center when he should obviously play center as, as much as possible. I mean, it's one thing with injuries, I guess, but it, you're just hurting his development and he's a playmaker. He's potentially this team's next great playmaker. Like, he has more playmaking upside than Suzuki, as great as Suzuki is. I mean, Suzuki has more of a, of a higher floor. Like, we've talked about this before. But Kakinimi needs those snipers to play next to him. And now he's playing with Evans and Lekkinen. Both players, I love their, their gameplay. I love the energy they bring. They're solid defensively. Evans has been fantastic lately. Lekkinen, we know how great he is in the PK and all that. But... Not players that are gonna score the big goal like Lekkinen has flashes, and but neither of them ha- has that kind of that finish in their shot. And then you put the best playmaker on the team, arguably at times with them. Like of course, it's it's a recipe for Kotkinemi not to succeed. He's got to have one of the goal scorers on his line at all times, or else what's the point of having him there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know if uh, uh, maybe his sort of thinking behind this is. 
you know, you have two two of the the, the hardest working forwards on your team there. Uh, you know, Evans and and uh, and Lekin. And despite you know, obviously they're not the two most offensive minded guys, but maybe that's that's sort of his thinking. Is okay, I'm going to play these two guys. They're both very responsible defensively. They're both hardworking. Hopefully that'll snap Kukinimi out of his uh, out of the the kind of slump that he's having right now. But I mean for me the biggest thing like Kukinimi, you know, you're just asking for trouble when he's yeah. constantly changing linemates. Not only just yeah. changing constantly changing linemates, but changing position as well. I mean that you're you're asking for trouble. He's not going to be successful when he's changing linemates and and changing positions all the time like this. Hopefully when, when guys do come back healthy, you know, when Gallagher comes back, when Tatar comes back, hopefully, you know, at that point, I mean, you would think that he's going to get some good, good forward, um, you know, line mates at that point, you know, maybe he'll be playing with a guy like, uh, you know, Tatar and Armia maybe at that point. So, but you think Tatar and Gallagher go back with, uh, with Dano though, you, you think that's the logical yeah, thing? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that probably makes the, the thing for me with these lines, I wonder if part of the reason why these lines are in place right now is because uh, the Canadians are playing against Ottawa tomorrow. And the thing with playing against Ottawa is that you don't really need a shutdown line. I mean, nothing against Ottawa. They, they have a solid team. But it, it's not like you have to focus on the matchups. You know, there's no Matthews. There's no McDavid. Like, Dano doesn't necessarily have to be playing against anyone in particular. I mean, arguably, their their biggest offensive weapon is is, is on defense, right? So, so, so in that sense... Because to me, like, as great as Dano is defensively, you're playing with Anderson and Caulfield. I mean, that's not really a shutdown line. That's not really the role you're asking. Dano's still going to be solid defensively regardless, but that's not a line that's necessarily a shutdown line at that point if you're playing with those guys. If you want a shutdown line, then you'd be flipping Kutkiniemi and uh, and Dano, and then you have Dano, Lekkinen, and Evans, which could be a fantastic shutdown line. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, maybe it's, that's the logic, playing against Ottawa. I mean, you want to give Caulfield and, and – and you want to reward guys like Dano and Caulfield who had, who had a big game, you, you get get them some big offensive minutes. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it is exactly, but – it just doesn't really make sense to me. Just give, give Kotkaniemi a chance. And the thing is, this team has two kids at center that they they want to progress to be great players in the future, right? It's Kotkaniemi and Suzuki. And it's so confusing how they treat them completely differently. Suzuki has been fantastic lately, but he went through his own bad stretch. But it, it didn't matter. Throughout his bad stretch, he consistently had good line mates. He, he consistently played with Toffoli. Like, why... And it, it's worked. He got out of it, and now he's doing fantastic. Why can't they do the same for Kotkaniemi? Like, what do they have? At this point, I'm wondering if Duchamp just doesn't like him, you know? Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. I mean, it, it does seem to be two, uh, two different measures for both of them. Um, you know, I mean, we saw what Kotkaniemi could do last season in the playoffs. So, you know, I mean, if he yeah. can uh, go back to that Kotkaniemi, I mean, that uh, that'd be huge. But uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Maybe that, maybe like you said, maybe that's that's what the thought process is that they don't necessarily have to have a shutdown line against uh, against Ottawa. Um, but uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the lines are like when the injuries uh, when, yeah, when they come sure. back. You know, because I mean, the Canadians are really going to have three solid scoring lines and even you know maybe four scoring lines at that point. So who comes out? Because at, at this point, let's say everyone's healthy right now, unless I'm forgetting anyone. The players we're talking about, obviously Tatar, Gallagher, and the only other forward really of note is Paul Byron, right? Like I'm not, I'm not forgetting anyone here. I don't think. <laughs> well, the going too, right? But oh, fuck! I kind of feel bad about forgetting Dwayne there, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like who knows with Dwayne? I mean, like uh, we haven't really touched on that, but I mean, he can take the time he needs, and it it, it is what it is. 
who knows exactly what's going on there. But assuming Drouin's not back, I'd be a little surprised if he was back. I don't know what you think about that. but Yeah, I don't think uh, – yeah, probably not going to see him for the rest of the year. I mean – you know, he if he was, you know, if it was mental health and you know he was he was having trouble with the pressure. I don't know if coming back in the playoffs is yeah. necessarily going to be going to happen. So I mean, I, th- I think you probably got to assume that he's not going to come back, unfortunately, and and hopefully come back next season uh, healthy. Um, but yeah, at, at this point, I mean, I think I mean I don't know that Paul Byron is going to be back no, in the lineup. Paul, Paul I mean, Byron doesn't, doesn't slot back in the lineup if you ask me. I mean Evans, like the guy, it's Evans that he would take out or Lekkinen. And I take Evans or Lekkinen over Byron, no doubt. Uh, Caulfield at this Frolik, point, actually, first of all, Froelich is obviously Froelich. Oh yeah, that's the thing. Froelich and Stahl are the two names that have to come out to me. You you put you, you put uh, Gallagher and. Uh, and uh, Tatar back in the lineup, and you take out Froelich and Stahl. Now, m- my worry a little bit is because they're going to think, oh, playoff experience, rah, rah, rah. They're going to think Stahl needs to slot into the r- lineup. But unless there's actually a magic, magical, mythical switch that that is a playoff gear that actually exists and Stahl just doesn't care right now and isn't trying – I highly doubt there's going to be that much of a difference. Like, I understand players bringing up a notch in the playoffs, but Stahl can bring it up four or five notches. And I think he's actually played better recently, but he's yeah. still been the worst forward on the team along with Fro League. There's no doubt about it. No, I, I agree. Um, I I still think, unfortunately, where Stahl is going to be that fourth-line center. Um, I mean, first of all, because of that veteran veteran presence, yeah. he has and, that and playoff. I will say... He's he's been dominant in the faceoff circle. That's that's what's going to keep him in the lineup. And, and that's, the thing that's is, probably is, why when, he when should. We, when they acquired him, looking at his faceoff stats, they weren't that impressive. But part of me almost feels like he understands that that's what this team needs from him, and he he's kind of he's kind of made sure to be consistent there, because there, there is value there. Don't, don't, I don't want to downplay that, especially in the playoffs. There is value in having an extra guy that can win the important faceoff for sure, but. Then who comes out? Are they going to scratch cut Kanyemi? That would drive me absolutely insane. Uh, I mean, I guess it's Evans, but like Evans has earned his spot. I mean, Armia. I mean, this is all assuming they get 100% healthy. But yeah, yeah, you know, they're, they're probably going to be an injury. But I mean, if everybody's healthy, then I mean, Froelich obviously. But yeah. I mean, the other guy. I mean, Stall just because of the faceoffs. Honestly, I mean, he has played a little bit better the last couple of games. But I mean. You that fourth line center Jake Evans can't be the fourth line center at at 40 percent faceoffs. Oh, yeah. You know, it, I mean he, I mean definitely keep him on the wing, but I mean I don't know it's it's going to come down to either Evans or Lekkinen. Unfortunately, Evans or Lekkinen, you think? Yeah, 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 yeah. you're probably right. Neither of them they deserve to sit, but that, but yeah, I, I do get the value of Stall at center for uh for, for the faceoffs there, but. I mean, it probably ends up being Evans that sits, and it just—I guess—that's the the kind of issue with having so much depth, really, because it's it's showing now. I mean, it's still a, the Froelich, Stahl, and Perry line. As, as funny as it is to see the, these three slow veterans playing together, they've had their moments in the last few yeah. games. They yeah, haven't scored, but they've had their moments. Yeah, I mean, even Froelich. I mean, uh, you know, he hasn't really hasn't played too much this season, and you know, he really hasn't missed that much of a step. I would say, I mean, like, obviously you're not expecting a whole lot out yeah. of Michael Froelich, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's been as good as I could have expected him to be. That's for sure. Yeah. 
But the thing is, like, come playoff time, let's say there's a bunch of injuries, I'd rather have Ryan Paling there instead of him. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, Ryan. That's Paling, not that's not possible right now because of the whole rules or the call-ups and all that stuff. But he is actually injured right now. He he missed the game. He's missing the game right now against Toronto okay. and, and the Val. Yeah, I forget what exactly. I don't think we know exactly what it is. Like it's like upper body injury, I think. But uh, he actually, yeah, that's true. Isn't that why he got called up to the taxi squad? Because he want they wanted him to see the. Yeah, they actually called up like the the Rocket are dealing with a bunch of injuries right now, and they called yeah. up like two or three injured guys. Yeah, I guess the back, Rocket. Yeah, okay. just, yeah, I guess because the Rocket needed some players, but. Uh, Fair enough. I mean, so so then uh, aside from that, roster wise, I mean, the only thing, thing left to talk about is goaltending, and like you're already starting to see it, whether it's on Reddit or Twitter and all that. Can, like Allen's been fine in replacement of Price, but it's not like he's been like stealing games or anything like that. He, he he's doing his job and he's playing well. Primo had a good game too. Price is still gonna start in the playoffs. Okay, that's there's no question about that. Yeah, for sure. I'm well. I mean, man, Allen's been really good. Like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Price he has obviously... his moments where he let, lets in some softies. He's, he's not perfect. And we, we know he's not a true starter. Like, he can't – if he's given too many games in a row, it, it starts to falter. Allen is a fantastic backup. I think we, 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 we've we gotten proof of that this year. He's, he, I, I do not think he's a starter. No, no. I, I mean, I think he, he, he could – you know, he's he could be that 1A, 1B type of guy. You know, he could split the time with, yeah. with someone. But, um, yeah, I mean, you have to go to Carey Price. We saw what he did last season in the playoffs. You know, when 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 the stakes are high, I mean, I, I definitely want Carey Price in the net. There, there's there's no doubt about that. See, th- that's what's amazing about this run. If this team can actually continue this run, and Winnipeg has been, has, has, been, has been faltering. I mean, yesterday they lost against Ottawa, right? That's how they tied. So, so, so before we move to the interview, quick, quick look at the games remaining. It's exactly the same amount of the games. So, so the Canadians have – or in Ottawa, in Toronto, in Toronto again, and then at home for two games against uh, Edmonton. And then you have Winnipeg, who is uh, in Calgary, and then back home for for the rest to finish the year against Ottawa, Vancouver, Vancouver again, and then finish the year against Toronto. Now, at first glance, the strength of schedule seems much much worse for the, for the Canadians, right? Playing Edmonton twice, playing Toronto twice. But, I mean, Calgary, I mean, still technically could make the playoffs. They're fighting for their playoff lives. And then we see it time and time again, teams like Ottawa, just like they did yesterday against against Winnipeg, you know. The, the one thing they have to go for them is that they want to ruin it for the for the team still fighting for spots in the playoffs and all that. So it, it, it very much can happen. If this team can squeak past Winnipeg and then first round against matchup against Edmonton, and then on top of that, the two old guy veterans and – and Price and Weber, who have proven to be far better when arrested. I know being injured is not exactly resting, but I think I think we both agree that they're not playing partially because it's not the playoffs and they don't need to be playing, you know? So that, that could be some pretty good news for the Canadians. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, obviously the Canadians on paper have the have the harder schedule coming up. I mean, it's, you know, another two games against Toronto is not going to be easy. No. Um, but, but I mean, you know, Ottawa, we saw it last night. Ottawa beat beat Winnipeg so you know Ottawa hasn't really been an easy out for a lot of teams uh, you know in the North Division I mean Vancouver who knows but Calgary too they they haven't been an easy out either especially for the Canadians so you know I mean Winnipeg's really struggled as of late I mean you know for the Canadians to catch up to them so I mean anything could happen who knows I mean the Canadians, they, they, they've lost seven in a row so there Winnipeg. you go so I mean 
it's it's going to turn around eventually, you'd think, for them. But, hey, I, I'll take them out. Like, I don't want to take Edmonton lightly. They're obviously a solid team. But, obviously, Montreal has matched up very well against them uh, this year. So, I, I'd take them over Toronto in, in the first round for sure. And the, the the one thing, too, is that those last two games against Edmonton, at that point, Edmonton might just be resting the stars at the very least. I don't think McDavid or, or Drysaddle are going to be playing, you know, like 25, 30 minutes a game at that point. You know, their their, their position in the standings is is, is set. They're, they're not they're not passing Toronto and neither us or Winnipeg are, are passing them. Right? They're, they're not moving from second. And short well, of McDavid. Thing, yeah. Same thing against Toronto. I mean, you know, they they already know they're finishing first. Yeah. So. The one thing with Toronto is that they seem to be really, and this actually might have be working against them. They they care more about getting Austin Matthews more goals. Now you saw how he celebrated that that that, yeah, that goal because he wants to hit forty like that. He really wants to hit forty, I think, and he wants the rocket. I, I think that's something, and we know that teams do care about these things. They want to get their stars, their 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 little trophies and their accolades and all that. So I think that's what they're most focused on, and. Same thing with Edmonton in the last few games against Montreal. I mean, I don't think that he'll McDavid would get benched because I think he he wants to you know because he's having an absolutely not against Montreal, but he's in general having a, a astounding yeah. like like yeah because he wants to get a hundred points right he's yeah, almost exactly. he's almost there so yeah I mean uh, yeah it's true it's gonna it's gonna be interesting uh, but yeah you know I mean with the way Winnipeg's playing and the way Montreal's playing I mean you know we could definitely do it. Yeah, and then you'd think Toronto's going to steamroll Winnipeg the way they've been playing to finish the year, and then you have the the second round matchup against Toronto and Montreal. Oh my God, that'll be so stressful. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be. I mean, uh, who knows what will happen? Who knows? I mean, there's no guarantee we'd beat we'd be right. Edmonton, but uh, Edmonton would still be the favorites, I would think. But it'd be a good matchup. It would be a good matchup. I do. I really do think so. Yeah, no, I mean, that would definitely be a great matchup. Uh, I mean, I'd feel pretty good about it. I think the Canadians could beat them for sure. Um, I mean, obviously, Drysdale and, uh, and McDavid are always tough to play against, but uh, I, I fancy the Canadians' chances against Edmonton. So then before we – just before we move to the interview here, so basically before uh, our next episode, there's a, there's a good chance the Canadians are, will have played all their games. So how do you think this ends here for the team? Like I just said, they're going on a – uh, on a three-game road trip playing in Ottawa, then in Toronto back-to-back, and then two games at home on Monday and Wednesday against Edmonton, and then season's over. Yeah, so how, well, how strong maybe, maybe we'll do the episode on, on Tuesday, maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, We'll see how yeah. it goes. Who knows? Yeah, but, uh, well, five games left. I mean, ah, man, I'm going to say I'm gonna say they get six points. They're going to win three. Win three, lose two. Win, win three, lose two. Yeah, and do you yeah. think it's enough to pass Winnipeg? Do you think Winnipeg continues to fall? Uh, yeah, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say they, yeah, they get four or five points and the Canadians just squeak in in yeah. third place. And they do probably need to get the, uh, uh, like get the points. Cause as far as the tiebreaker goes, it is in Winnipeg's favor right now that the first tiebreaker being a lot of people seem to think the first tiebreaker is regular and overtime wins. It's not, it's just, it, it's regulation wins o- o- overtime and shootout wins, both not being counted. And as of right now, Winnipeg has 21 and Montreal has 20. Of course, it's only a one-game difference. But then even if they were to tie that and had be tied in the standings, then the second tiebreaker is regular or overtime wins, which Winnipeg is far ahead there. Montreal has no chance. So really, the Canadians need to be ahead of them in points. If it's tied, then Winnipeg gets uh, gets gets the higher seed, most likely. Okay, so what do you say? 
I, I, I think that I think they do it too. I, 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 I think they. I think three wins is a good call, but I think they could go as far as four. I mean, they, they, they're absolutely on fire right now. I think those last two games against Edmonton, I don't think Edmonton's going to be that dialed in. I think they win those last two games. And they win tomorrow against Ottawa, and then they win, they split it with Toronto. So yeah, I think the Canadians think finish very strong and go strong into the playoffs. Yeah, I think that, that makes sense. Hopefully, hopefully that's what they can do. As, I mean, uh, historically yeah, I mean, on this podcast, if we're too positive, they go on a like five-game losing streak. So uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens with this team. But we are currently on a high when it comes to the Canadians. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting week, week and a half for uh, sure, for sure. And then, then it's 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 the playoffs. Finally, we're going to have some nice weather and some 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 hockey playoffs. Can't wait. Uh, all right, so then uh, time for the for that interview. So tell us a little bit before we move to it. So Vincent. De 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 Vincent Demuy. Vincent Demuy. Uh, yeah, so he uh, well, like you mentioned earlier, he's he's uh, sort of the host for Armada TV, um, which uh, is the uh, a team that plays in the Quebec Major, Major Junior Hockey League, the Blainville Boisbriand Armada, which was the uh, the team that uh, Joël Bouchard was the head coach for before. Uh, he's actually part owner of uh, of the team, um, so obviously Vincent is very familiar with him. You know, talk to him a lot when uh, when he was the head coach. So he had a couple of stories as well uh, with some of his previous players and t- two players that actually play with the Rocket now. Um, you know, he t- talked about what makes him a good coach, um, and he also talked about some of the difficulties that uh, obviously the Q is playing right now. They're actually in the playoffs right now, and uh, so he talked about some of the difficulties of the players and coaches dealing with playing during obviously a weird situation uh, during COVID. So it was a, it was a really a really a fantastic interview and definitely give it a listen and and make sure to follow him all right sounds good so enjoy that interview anyone everyone uh, as always uh thank you for listening and uh, we'll talk to you next week all right i'm joined here by vincent demi from the armada tv of course the uh, the tv channel for the blainville boisbriand armada former team of the laval uh, of uh, laval rocket head coach joel bouchard thank you very much for being with us today vincent thank you uh, dustin it's a pleasure to be here so the biggest news, of course, that just came out today is that uh, Joel Bouchard, probably to no one's surprise, is one of the hottest names in NHL coaching circles right now. He hasn't even finished his third year with the Rocket. Are you surprised by the the quick turnaround? What that already after not even three years, he's already getting NHL hype. Uh, Dustin, to be honest, if you ask me that question at the uh, the start of this season, I would say yes. But right now, if, if I look at how he's handling the uh, Laval Rocket this season, I think he's doing really well with the kids. He's doing well with, uh, with older players as well. And he's doing well to, uh, to, to, to make it work with, uh, with this team and to have results all year long in the year that it's difficult to have motivation. I think with the pandemic situation, no playoff, uh, he's doing really well. So I'm a bit surprised that his third year is as good as it is. Uh, but if, if you look at it with the result that he got this season with this team, that is a good team, but uh, we didn't expect that it would, it's going to be that good. So, uh, no, I'm not surprised. And maybe the Montreal Canadiens will have a, a decision to make, a difficult decision to make, because maybe he's going to be get, uh, get stolen maybe by uh, maybe another team in the National Hockey League. So they'll have a decision to make at the end of this season. We'll see how it goes. But I think Joel Bouchard maybe is going to be ready faster than that. I think is what he was going to be to be the, an NHL coach, head coach one day in the NHL. I mean, you mentioned like the the great results that the Rocket have had. 
you know, he's, he's in his third season now with the rocket before mm-hmm. Joel Bouchard joined the team. You know, they were under Sylv- Sylvain at five, obviously didn't yeah. go very well. Not mm-hmm. really no prospects made it to the NHL at that point. The, you know, the, the first season was a bit of a transition for Joel Bouchard last season, right. Unfortunately, right before the pandemic hit, he, they were, the rocket were on a roll. And obviously this season they they've been by, by a, a pretty good margin, the best team in the AHL. Were you surprised with the turnaround that he was able to uh, to have with the Rocket? Um, yes and no. I think I know that Joel Bouchard is is a seller. I don't know if you know what I mean by by telling you that is he's able to sell a, pl- a plan, a project to his player, and that's what he did this season. He did it in Blaville Boisbriand. Since I'm covering this team, since I'm following this team, he did it in Blaville Boisbriand with the QMJ GHL team often. But that season is. He has sold the project to a player, and they have and they have bought it. You know, they they, they truly have bought it at 100%. And when you see the results on the ice, when you see the team perform, you know it. And he, I uh, I just listened to his uh, press conference yesterday, I think. And you know, his player or play, he doesn't have any more to tell his player what to do and to challenge his player. They they, they challenge themselves alone without him. So that's 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 Joel Bouchard. He presents a project to his players. And how they have to play to have success, and uh, and this this season that's what he did with the Rocket, and, and the and the players bought it at 100%. And that's why they have success this season. So and he's an he's, he's a new generation coach, you know. He's he's not he's not the Sylvain Lefebvre type, which doesn't talk maybe a lot, and uh, and uh, if if the, if his players played good, doesn't tell him uh, the way that Joel Bouchard told him, and but. Joel Bouchard has one way to coach his players. If they if they make mistakes, it's okay that they make mistakes, but he won't accept bad attitude. But this season, all year long with Rocket, I, I didn't see a single game of bad attitude from from the team, and that's why they have a, they have success this season. Absolutely, I and mean, like like you said, they they never seem to have bad attitude or, or a bad performance. They're always giving their one hundred and ten percent, and 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 absolutely, I, I agree with you. I, I think that definitely comes down to Joel Bouchard. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we talked about a little bit earlier that he you know is now getting NHL hype, and you think that it's at some point he'll make the transition to the NHL. Now he's done it, of course, in the queue with the Armada. They had a couple of successful seasons under him. He's having, you know, a successful season, obviously, this year with the Rocket. How do you think his play or his coaching style will transition into the NHL? I think he won't change himself the way he coached Austin. I think he is going to stay Joel Bouchard, and that's the key. Uh, the, the, the the bad thing that he could do in the NHL is put too much pressure on him and try to change his way to coach. Uh, he's a guy that is tremendous in communication with his players and he has to keep that. So if he keeps that, that type of coach, you know, when I mean with, when I mean with communication, Dustin, he often say that to me when I covered the team the last year that he was with the Armada, if they played bad, the, the players gonna know, but if they play well, they're gonna know as well. So that's, that's the Bouchard type of coach. He, he, he is that the type of coach he is, Ruel Bouchard. So if he, he doesn't change his approach with the player, the way he communicates well with the new generation, and I think maybe even with it, with the the thirty years old player, if you if you uh, if you uh, tell a guy if you tell a guy like Carey Price or Shea Weber, if you if you coach a guy guys like them that way, I don't know how it it's not gonna work. You know what I mean? It's going to work. Communication, I think, is the key when you, you have a hockey team. It's it's the same way when you work in uh, in other category. If you work in business or whatever, communication is always the key. 
and he did it so well uh, in the past. So I think maybe in the future, if you, if you keep that type of communication with this player, uh, he's going to have success in the NHL as well. Uh, absolutely. I mean, he's, he's obviously had a lot of success so far at, at every level he's coached. Uh, and and that, that's definitely something that a lot of people bring up that for his success is that communication and the relationship that he, uh, that he typically, that, that he seems to have with his players. Um, was he also like that when he was in the queue? Did, um, you know, yeah. what could you say about the relationship that he has with players? You know, he, he was the same, same type of coach in the QMGHL. But this is the only difference is in the QM, QMGHL, the players were between 16 and 20 years old. So maybe it's easier when you coach those age to sell the project to the players because, you know, when they're, they're younger, they didn't have the experience that the level players got and maybe the Montreal Canadian players got in the past. So uh, they bought easily a project in the, in the QMGHL. Uh, but I think... The, the Joy Bouchard is a, is a good coach. So where, wherever he's going to go, if it's in the AHL or if it's, if it's in the NHL, if, it's, if he, he sells his project well and if he, if he has a good plan, uh, he's going to have success wherever he goes. So, yeah, he, did, he was the same type of coach in the QMGHL. didn't change himself. And that's why I think he could have success in the NHL very quickly because Joel Bouchard is always going to be going to be Joel Bouchard. The, the, the day that he changed the way he coached because of the pressure of everything, maybe it's going gonna, it's gonna to turn bad. But if he stays Joel Bouchard, I got no worries that he's going to have success in the, in the NHL. Uh, another thing that a lot of people bring up about Joel Bouchard is, is obviously the communication and the relationship that he has with his players, but also mm -hmm. that he's an amazing motivator. And uh, before we, we started recording this, uh, the interview, you, you were telling me about a story with one of the current Rocket players, Toby Paquette-Bisson, and, uh, and a bit of a motivation that he gave Paquette-Bisson in his final season. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about that story, please? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's happening in 17-18 season. It's, it's been in 17-18. It's my first season that I'm, that I'm covering the Armada as a, a journalist. As a journalist, I remember at that, that time I was with, uh, I don't know if you know that, uh, that media, Dustin, but I was with the Palon Junior. Uh, it was a, a website that was covering the, uh, the QMGHR for a long time. We got a lot of good reads in, uh, in that media. So I was a journalist for Palon Junior. It was my first year. And I remember that that start of the season, the Armada got five 20 years old. So, you know, the rule in the QMGHL, uh, you can't have more than three 20 years old dressed for a game. So the Armada got a big problem that season. I remember they got uh, Alexandre Alain, they got Alex Barré-Boulay, they got Connor Bramwell, uh, they got Charlie Roy. And as well, they got Toby Paquette-Bisson, which is a defenseman of 20 years old that they, they have acquired last season as a 19 years old. So uh, the first 10 game of the season, uh, it was uh, the, the three 20 years old were Alexandre Alain, Alex Boiré-Boulay, and Connor Bramwell. So and Toby Paquette-Bisson didn't have a single chance to prove himself that season. And I remember um, I required an, an interview from him maybe uh, after 10 games and I was expecting like the basic answer of uh, hockey players, like yeah, I'm in the bench, I'm in the stands, but it's for the it's for the good, it's a good thing for the team. I I trust Joel Bouchard, but no, it's not the answer that came out of uh, Toby Paquette Bisson mouth. What what came out of his mouth is he was frustrated at that time. He was frustrated because he got ambition 
he got the and he's an intelligent player and he knows that he's 20 years old and the QMGHL was an important one, Dustin. And it was. At the end of the day, it was because um, after I wrote that story in Palon Junior, like maybe a couple of days, he got his first chance, his first chance, his first game for the Armada that season, and he didn't came out of the lineup that season when he, when Joel Bouchard gave him he gave him his first chance. And you know what's the the best about this story, Dustin, is that he he finished the season at plus forty five. That's that's crazy. I didn't. You don't see that often in hockey. A player that came out of the season with plus or minus of plus forty five. That's that's uh, that's crazy. And he won the Kevin Lowe Trophy for the best defenseman in the QMGHL for for his defensive play. And he was the best defenseman for the Armada in the playoffs that year. And if you remember, the Armada uh, lost in the final against Batters that that year. So that that's pretty crazy. That. Uh, Toby Pocket Bisson has had a crazy year that year from being scratch to being maybe the best, not maybe, he was the best defensive uh, defenseman in the league at the end of this season. So that's crazy. And yeah, he, he, that's that's a bit of, of Bouchard too, because you give him a chance, uh, being scratch motivate Toby Pocket Bisson. I don't know if, if, if it was on purpose or not that Joel Bouchard did it. Uh, maybe one day we will know this, we will know the story. Um, but uh, Toby Paquette Bisson was frustrated, came out to play, and never came out in the lineup and finished the best defenseman in the league. So, and and that's the story that that we see this season with with Laval. It got scratched the first game uh, because there were a lot of defensemen in the lineup, and when Bouchard gave him gave him his chance, never came out of the of the lineup since. So that's uh, Paquette Bisson is a character guy, and he proved himself, and he proves it year after year. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, a crazy story, like you said, to go from a guy that, that was that was benched the first 10 games of the season, you know, in his in his 20 year old uh, in, in his uh, well, 20, uh, this, his 20 year old season mm-hmm. and then going to win the, you know, the best defenseman, defensive defenseman in the queue. And then and now he's actually even with the Rocket and you think he could uh, potentially even earn himself a contract with the Canadians, you were telling me. Yeah, yeah, I, I 100% sure that he's going to. If it's not with a Canadian, it's going to be with another team, the Dustin. But that kind of defenseman that are so intelligent. The thing with Baquette Bisson is he knows how to play his game. He, he, he don't try to be a defenseman that he's not. So you know that he has a, per, a great first pass in his zone. Uh, you know that uh, he, play, he can play well defensively. That can put that he, that he can he can be. Um, good with his with his body check as well he knows his limits you know how to play it and he's an intelligent guy one of the most intelligent guy i've met with the armada since i'm covering the team so he he knows how to how to play his game and to have success and that's what he did within this in his first two pro season in the east coast archie league and i think he played only one game in the nhl in um in the rochester because after he he got out of the qmghl he earned a contract with the buffalo sabers and uh, they, they didn't give him a single chance in the year. They gave him one game in the AHL. So uh, we can say we can say with uh, Tabit Bakhet Bisson that's that's Joel Bouchard gave him his first chance in the AHL as well, and uh, and in, in to prove himself in the QMGHL as, as 20 years old as well. So and and uh, that, I mean that'd be great. I definitely would love to see that. He's uh, he's definitely doing a great job with the Rocket this year. So I'd love to see him you know potentially get a two-way contract at the end of the season. 
Um, now, uh, obviously, another unfortunate news today, another Armada or former Armada player in the news, uh, Joel Teasdale, mm-hmm. unfortunately re-injuring his knee um, again. So the same knee that he actually uh, spent um, a, a whole year out with. Um, Joel Teasdale, when he was with the uh, when he was with the Armada, you you said that there was also a good motivation story that Joel Bouchard had with Teasdale. Yeah, Teasdale told this story to a couple of media, and it's not a secret secret anymore. It was maybe for a year or two after he, he uh, his first his first year in the QMGHL, but when he, he was a first round pick in the QMGHL, firstly um, by the Armada, I think it was for 14 overall in 2015. Uh, so Armada has had high expectation for him in the QMGHL and they were right uh, but when he arrives at his first training camp in, two, in 2015 uh, he was overweight he was uh, like I said I said in French he, I don't know how you can translate that Austin, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah so so he was overweight so the thing that Joel Bouchard did uh, that year so he, he told him that it's it's all right, uh, Joel. You are um, you are uh, you are overweight, but no, I think it, it's not all right. But if you want me to make you a place in my lineup, if you if you want to earn a spot in my lineup, you have to lose weight. So that's what Joel Bush- Joel uh, Teasdale did that season uh, before going into the lineup as a 16 years old. Uh, he he did some some homework beside of the ice, so he needs to go to the gym often to lose some weight. Because I, I don't think he, uh, he took it seriously that summer uh, being uh, in the QMGHL. So it's a, it's a step, Dustin. It's a step for sometimes. Maybe jo- Joel Teasley is a guy that trusts his talent more than he had to do uh, that year. And uh, maybe forgot that he has to, um, to, to arrive at camp in shape. So that's what Joel Bouchard told him. And after that, he came into the lineup and played, and played uh, uh, 53 games, sorry. As a 16 years old, and as a decent, and had a decent season for for 27 points at the end of the the season, and it was a part of the success for the Armada uh, since uh, since that year. Yeah, so yeah, uh, I mean, definitely, you know, he had a very good career with the Armada. Obviously, maybe he got off to a bit of a shaky start there with Joel Bouchard, but. But once again, I mean, like the pocket Bisson story, you know, he was able to motivate the player, and and obviously it's panned out when he got the uh, the contract with the Canadians. Um, you know, obviously he he was out all of last season. Um, mm-hmm. I I had followed Teasdale as well with the Armada, um, I'd, so I was expecting him to 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 play pretty well in the AHL. I was not expecting him to get off to the start that he that he did. 18 points in 26 games, especially after missing all of last season. Were you surprised with uh, with the quick transition that he made, especially after missing the first year? Uh, yes and no. Uh, I think I was expect I was expecting uh, that we you will find a, he's going to find his way to to play well in the EHL because it's it's a league that is made for him for a player like him. He's physical. Uh, Joel Teasdale is was one of the best in the QMGHL to win battle against the board, uh, to tip puck in front of the net. Um, and then to protect the puck as well. So he, he's, he's play with he's, he's playing physical, and uh, like we know, the AHL is a physical league. So I was expecting that he's gonna have success this year, but how can I say it? I think I wasn't expecting that he has had success that fast because he he missed one year, Dustin. So that's that's kind that's kind of a lot of activities that he missed. Uh, but I know I don't have a, I'm not surprised to see him perform well. 
And when I heard the news this morning about his injury, I was really sad because um, I think he's going to be a, a guy that, he, and he's still young, he's 22 years old, but I think he's going to be a guy that that one day will be in the NHL. I think he's the perfect guy to be um, a fourth liner. Um, when I look at Joel Teasdale, um, and it's funny because I compare, I often compare him to a guy that has the same uh, name as him, Joel Armia. He's like a left-handed Joel Armia, and he play physical. He can he can move the puck and protect the puck well. He's efficient in the crease to 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 score goals. He can and he has hands too. So, and I and he, the only thing that can stood between him and the NHL are going to be injuries. So, and even even before knowing that he's got a, a second injury to his knees, I was thinking that. So I was really sad this morning because then I, and I, I trust in him as well, even if he's, if he had a second injury to his knee, but I really hope it's not, um, he's going to be okay and he's going to cover, recover for, from his injury fast because I, I really think that he could be a great fourth liner in the NHL and maybe a third liner as well um, because he got a profile doing that. Yeah, definitely. Re- really bad news um, for sure about Teasdale. Like you said, I mean, hopefully it's not as bad as it was last season. Um, but, um, you know, they will, we'll have to wait and see what, a, what exactly the diagnosis is going to be. But definitely, I mean, he's an exciting prospect, obviously, I think. And Dustin, you know what I like the most about Joel Teasdale? What's that? Is his ability to compete in the playoff. 70 points in 60 playoff games in the QNGHL. That's what I like the most. Character guy. Yeah, I mean, you know, you mentioned it. He obviously he he played most of his career with the with the Armada. He last or sorry, not last season, but his last season in the Q, he uh, he was traded to a Roy, uh, to the Huskies, Rui and Naranda Huskies, where mm-hmm. he put, uh, nearly two points a game. So he was a uh, definitely a big. He was uh, injured. He was injured that that year too. He played so, with uh, with an injury. I remember. So yeah, he's he's obviously obviously a really good player. Um, so you know it's it's unfortunate, but uh, but like you said, I mean he's definitely showed it in the past that, that he can fight back and and wishing all the best to him. Hopefully he'll be able to bounce back maybe next season. Hopefully, I wish him uh, Dustin. I know him well. I know he's a he's a good kid. He's a guy that that really wants to uh, to uh, achieve his dream and to go to in, to go in the NHL. I know he's going he's going to work hard to uh, to do it. Maybe it's. Maybe sometimes some guys do it at 25 years old, 24 years old, and and it's fine, and it's fine. And I know that that he's going to work hard. He's a he's a hard worker. Um, and Joel Bouchard teach him some lesson, like the story that I told you. But he's he's learning from that, and he knows that he has to be in shape. And uh, and the, the prove to prove it, the first the, his first knee injury. Um, I know because I know I know that it happens in training because uh, I remember that day when he has his first knee injury. Um, I, I was going to the arena to meet some met some people that day, and that morning it happened. So I remember I, I went to the uh, I went to see the Armada staff one day, and they were all so sad of it because they they all know that he's working so hard and. Uh, uh, and uh, I, I really, I really hope that he's going to be okay with uh, his second knee injury because I think he's going to be in the future uh, a useful player for the Abs. Or if they don't have contract space for him, maybe for another team in the NHL. But I wish him to uh, achieve his dream. He deserves it, and uh, I, I, I trust him that he's going to do. Uh, hopefully, 
Um, so, so obviously you're close with the, with the Armada players this, the, this season, especially, I mean, um, it, it's obviously not an easy situation dealing with what we're dealing with the players and coaches, uh, obviously not an ideal situation with the whole COVID. Um, no. what, what can you tell us about some of the difficulties that they're dealing with this year? Firstly, like I said before our interview, um, Dustin, uh, I just want to say that the QMGHL did uh, an amazing job this season to um, to uh, to have games and to have bubbles, and it was complicated sometimes because they they had some um, français, je vais dire éclosion. I don't know how to say in English. I don't know how to translate it. It translated, sorry. Yeah, yeah, break. So team, so breakouts within the teams. Right? Yeah, yeah, with the virus and uh, and everything. So and they did a great job. They always. They always keep up, uh, keep up the great work. They want to, they don't want to have games for the players, and that, that's what they did. All the teams got, got like 30 games played this season. So when you compare with the WHL and the OHL, that's amazing. Like, like we said before the interview, the WHL played like 15 games this season, and the OHL did, didn't play a single game. So they did an amazing job this season, but. Yeah, they, they the the team have been struggling sometimes. It was tough because you know the teams. Uh, Bobriand is the only team. I think is the only team in the QMGHL that didn't play a single game at home this season. The player were always in their in their bags, like we say, uh, always in long trips, seven to ten days. Uh, they were out of the town. They were in the hotel doing homework, a little bit of gaming. And what's pretty much that was pretty much about it. So they didn't they didn't do a lot, and it was and it was tough for the coach as well. And and but Bruce Richardson told me the head coach of the Armada. I don't know if you know if you know if you know him. Um, he told me often that he was lucky. They were lucky to play games, but they admit a couple of times that it was tough because you know. Um, a QMGHL head coach is not like a AHL head coach or NHL over or an NHL head coach. It has a lot of responsibilities because don't forget that these kids are seven, are 16 to 20 years old. So you have to make sure as a coach uh, that they do their their homework. You don't you you don't give lesson to players about the homework that they need to do. They have a, they have a teacher for that, but you you have to make sure that they did it. And you have to make sure that uh, they're doing their things, and they, they that they rest, that they practice, that they that they do everything between seven and ten days. So you have to. So you're a coach, but you're as well a, like a, a second father. I don't know how to say that, but I think you understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need to check on those guys that they did they do your things, and you got 22 per teams. So no, the head coach was not alone, but. Uh, it was part of the job this season to do that, to, to make sure that the guys do their things um, besides of hockey too. So I, I know that it was challenging for the coaching staff, but again, they did well that this season and, uh, and they, they find themselves lucky to play a game. That's what they told, they, told, uh, they told me all season long, even if it was tough, if they, if they were um, far from their family, even if we're they, because normally in the QMGHL season, Dustin, um, Players are allowed to see their parents. This season, uh, I don't think they, they see it often. They, they saw it by the players saw their parents by Zoom or everything like that because players come from a lot of people, a lot of place in Quebec, a lot of town in Quebec. So, uh, for example, a guy I know that I, from I know that Simon Pinard, a player for the Armada, uh, has family in Drummondville. So when they play in Drummondville, you, you see his family after the game and everything like that. But 
right? In this pandemic situation, it wasn't about it wasn't able, it wasn't allowed to do that. So it was tough. It was tough for the player mentally. Uh, but they had, at the end of the day, I repeat, but they said they find themselves lucky to have the chance to play games. And I think that's the, that's the bottom line, uh, the bottom line for, for that. But it was tough. It was challenging. Um, but again, that's uh, they played 30 games. That That's good for the development. That's good for the coach. That good, that's good for everyone. So so the bottom line is that it's a good news for for everyone that season. And the QMGHL did it so well this season uh, to present games. Absolutely. I mean, you can't say enough about the job that they've done. Um, you know, and it, it obviously very complicated, especially like you said, dealing with, uh, you know, basically a bunch of kids, but you know, at the mm -hmm. end of the day, I'm sure that they're thrilled to have been able to play, especially some of the older players that, uh, well, even the younger guys, I mean, you know, they're, they're trying to get uh, hopefully drafted at the end of the year and, uh, and, and maybe get a, get a contract like, uh, like Joel Teasdale, like uh, Toby pocket Bisson. Um, are there, are there any guys, and, maybe even for Bruce Richardson, who knows? Obviously we've seen Joel Bouchard and, and he's had former Armada coaches, Daniel Jacob, Marco Marciano join him. Maybe Bruce mm -hmm. Richardson joins him at some point, but um, to touch on the, um, so, so uh, obviously, you know, the players, they, they were able to play this year. Um, well, maybe not as much as they, as they could have, but are there any guys that obviously scouting is very complicated this year, but are there any Armada players that you could see maybe getting drafted this year? And that might maybe you're in the uh, in the Canadians uh, that the Canadians are taking a look at. And that's a, that's a, before before answering your question, Dustin. And that's a great point because the QMGL, QMGHL, the league, put so much effort, especially for that, to 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 allow their players to get scouted. You know, to allow the scout to 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 go see their players. And that, I think they got an an advantage that the QMGHL this season got an advantage. Uh, because the scout were Hollywood to, to, to go to games, to see the prospects. So they got, I think they got a, then that an advantage, an advantage, and that, that's good for the players to get scout to, 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 that, that, that scout to watch them. And that's, uh, that's why the, the QMG, QMGHL, I think, um, is proud to have played the 30, uh, 30 games this season, but to ensure, answer your question, Dustin, uh, not many players from the Armada on the, are, are on the radar for the uh, NHL draft uh, this season. But I, I think if, if there's one, it could be uh, Miguel Turini. Um, he's, uh, he's amazing this season, and I think maybe he deserves a chance to, be, to get drafted this season. Absolutely. I mean, he's sort of that new age defenseman. Uh, I mean, I would, even, even last year, he put up quite a few points. This year, he was over a point per game. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he's, uh, he's a right-handed uh, right defenseman. He's right-handed, if I'm not mistaken. Totally yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he's right-handed. Uh, he's a guy that, uh, you know, he's, he's a little bit smaller than uh, than maybe NHL teams like. But, I mean, with the, the points that he put up this season and, you know, the NHL is more more offensive, looking for those offensive defensemen. We all know the Canadians could use an offensive defenseman. So, who knows? Mm -hmm. totally, hopefully, hopefully maybe a guy that could get drafted. But we've seen it that, you know, even if they don't get drafted, there's been a lot of Armada players that have played with the Rocket the last couple of years. Just looking at it right now, obviously we talked about Toby Paquet, Vincent before. Uh, we have uh, obviously Zadie Wallet, the captain of the of the uh, of the Rocket right now. There's uh, Nathaniel Halbert. In the past, there's been Alexandre Alain. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's in Marcus. So there's been a lot of players. Is there any guys that maybe you could see from that maybe won't necessarily get drafted that could be uh, potentially uh, Rocket players next year or in the next few years? Um, maybe, maybe not, not this year because this, this year there's Tourigny. Um, and to finish with Tourigny, I think 
I think that they maybe I, I wouldn't be surprised that maybe he got drafted in the sixth or seventh round. But if he is not, uh, maybe he's a guy that maybe he's a guy that Montreal Canadiens could draft in the sixth or seventh round. But if he's not, maybe he's a guy that that they're maybe they're going to look for a contract. But I think uh, I'm one hundred I'm one hundred percent sure that he's going to earn at least an invitation to a, prof- a professional camp at the end of the season because he plays so well that season. season. Like you said, he's small, but man. He plays his heart out. He plays his heart out in this game. He played with with his heart. He likes to take risks. What I like the most about Tourigny is he loved the game. You know, you, you see when a guy loves the game and enjoy it and has a passion for that, and he has it. So I I think he's and he's a warrior as well. So I think he's gonna step up with that because last year was a deception for him. He, he was supposed to get draft last year when you look at his age. Um, and he, I know he was upset not, not being drafted last year, but he was upset in the right way. You know, he, he really stepped up this, this season. He worked really hard to, uh, to achieve what he, wanted, what he wants to achieve. And he did, didn't give up. And I think he's going he's gonna to be rewarded at the end of the season. We'll see. Maybe the Canadians will take a look at this type of defenseman. Uh, but when you look at the team, when you look at the Armada, the, 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 maybe, there may be three or four guys that could get drafted uh, potentially in the in uh, in next year's draft, you got uh, like you said, Alexis Gendron. Um, Alexis Gendron was amazing this season as a as 16 years old. It was a surprise that to see him perform that well. He's a fast uh, he's a fast skater. He's uh, in in uh, he's a guy that never gives gives up as well. Uh, he's like a Tourigny, but in offense. So in in his skating is so good. Um, two two other players. You look, look at the Charles Gravel that he's playing currently in the playoffs for the Armada as a 16 years old. So that's kind of rare when you see a goaltender, especially a goaltender playing as a 16 years old in the, in the important games like playoffs one. So he's a uh, Gravel maybe for the, for, uh, for the draft next year is going to, we, we need to check up on his, uh, on his uh, play next season too. Maybe he could get, he could get draft. And there's always, and there's again, uh, there's also the defenseman Braden Schmidt. That maybe could uh, could get a chance to get drafted. He did well as 16, 16 years old this season, and maybe he could get drafted uh, next season. But uh, I think there's Tourigny uh, this season, and and maybe Edmund, uh, Luke Edmund, as a 20 years old, could have a contract. But I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, no, Tourigny would definitely be a good addition to the Canadians. Like you said, I mean, there's definitely a lot of um, you know exciting prospects for next year for the Armada. Um, now, of course, I mean, there, we've seen a lot of players from the Armada and from the Q in general go play for the Laval Rocket. Um, soon, we're, the Canadians are even going to have their ECHL team in the backyard here in Trois-Rivières. How big of, a, of an impact do you think that'll be for some of the young players playing uh, for the Armada and for the other teams in the Q? Yeah, I think not, it's not only for the Armada, it's uh, for all the teams, the QMGHL. That's a great news because um, I think that the, the Canadians organization wants to, to wants to to have this team to give some opportunities to players from from Quebec of course the, the team is going to be in Trois-Rivières and if if you have two players that can bring almost the same thing on the table one is from uh, one is from United States and one is for Quebec from Quebec I think they're going to prioritize that they're going to take the guy from Quebec you know um and I think they all they already told that I think I heard an interview that they, they told that kind of thing. or But that's what I think, too. I think they're going to give a chance to a guy from here, not only from the Armada. Of course, it's 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 easy to say guy like Armada because Joel Bouchard uh, knows well what's what's happening in Blainville-Beaubriand. But I think from 
for all the teams in the QMGHL, it's uh, it's a wonderful news, and I think uh, it's gonna give uh, opportunities from from guys um, from Quebec to uh, to make their make their chance and to uh, have maybe a longer path, but maybe uh, going to the NHL in the future. So uh, it's great news, um, and I have and I really hope and I really hope we were gonna have good stories uh, starting at the at the at the, um, at the East Coast League in Toronto. And so finally, the Canadians, they only have, uh, I think, six games left, if I'm not mistaken, in the regular season. Looks like. Oh, no, you don't, you don't want to talk about Canadians, Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> there, so, well, yeah, we're going to have to. We are Canadians. <laughs> no problem, guess, Dustin. Right? I can talk a bit about Canadians. Too. <laughs> I'm well, uh, I'm well, uh, I'm following almost every league in the world for, for hockey. I'm, I'm a passionate one. So, so uh, you can go with your question. It's a pleasure for me. Excellent. So we got, uh, looks like the Canadians are going to be playing the Maple Leafs here in the first round. What do you think of their chances? Are, is the, are we going to get Stanley Cup number 25 this year, or is it going to be tough in the first round? Uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be tough. Yes, the last two games was, were promising with, uh, and uh, we're, we're kind of uh, in, the, in the wave with Cole Caulfield performance. He, he's, doing, he's doing well. Uh, when when I look at this team, to be honest with you, what's what's missing, and we see it with uh, with Kotkaniemi performance this season, Suzuki that performance this season, that maybe they're not ready yet to take a big step in this team. I think when I, when I look at this team, it's still missing the the first centerman, you know, the the, the first centerman that that you know that is the first centerman of this team, and and the, when you look at it now, there's injuries. So, but. You know, Dustin, when you when you're going into the playoff and and like there's 90, 99% chance that they'll make it uh, in the playoffs. I really trust that uh, when you get into the playoffs, it can happen. Everything can happen. Mm-hmm. So so uh, maybe there's going to be they, they can surprise Toronto. Toronto is always uh, it's always a question mark in the playoff and on how they're going to perform or everything. So. No, maybe, I, I don't think that they're going to mess up in the playoff or, or something like that, but I'm not confident as maybe some people are. But when you go to the playoff, it can happen. Everything can happen. And, but if you want to, if you want to, if you want me to, if you ask me to, to put some money on it, it's difficult not to, uh, not to put money on Toronto for that series if they, if they face Toronto. But uh, I think that the end of the season, the, the next seven games of the season are going to, to dictate that a bit. And uh, if they came, came in a playoff with a nice streak, maybe, uh, maybe some magic will happen at the end of the day. No, I agree with that. I mean, it's, it's hard to have a lot of confidence in them when they've been so inconsistent. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like you said, if they get on a hot streak here in the last couple of games, maybe a healthy carry price, hopefully. Uh, any, like you said, in the playoffs, anything can happen. Uh, and, and finally, uh, Cole Caulfield obviously getting his, uh, his first goal in the last game on Saturday. Uh, what, how, have you been surprised by Cole Caulfield and the, and the quick adjustment he's made to the pro game? Uh, no, not surprised, but it's not. I think he, he, Cole Caulfield played his game. You know, he know us to play in his strength. Um, he know us to position himself to have success like we saw in the, in, in the overtime goal. Uh, it's if you do if he does that often he will have success to 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 step up when he he sees an opportunity so you know on the goal that he scored in overtime he saw that that Brandstrom and Stutzel 
were not looking at him. That's that's Cole Caulfield. He saw that those two guys were not looking at him. He step up and he, he he skate really fast to go to the net and he scored a goal. So that's that's a that's an offensive IQ, IQ that you don't see often. That you, you can't teach that, you know. Mm. And he and he and he got it. And he put some energy in the team. His energy is uh, is contagious in the team, and uh, and he's and he's he's really nice to see. And I hope he, he can have success in the, in the end of the season. But we have to, we have made. I think we have to have low expectation. He's 20 years old. He will gain some experience this season, and it's all good for him. But I think the worst thing that we can do for him for his development this his development is to ask him to put the teams. Uh, on his back yeah. he won't do that he's at 20 years old and maybe as a 24 years old 23 years old he won't be able to do that as well yeah. so we just need to to relax to uh, to uh, to enjoy anyway, i think as a fan we need to enjoy it and just watch him and to take what he gives us and right now he gives he gives to the team some energy he's doing well uh he's a fast player he's uh and he's but you, you can't ask him to to win all his battle against the board with his size. So you need to you need to know what kind of player Cole Cofield Cole is. Uh, maybe to lower our expectation a bit. And uh, when you do when, when we do that, the, the the chance that we're gonna be happy at the end of the day are higher. I think you, you know what I mean. So yeah. just I think we just have to to go on his waves to 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 plan to job uh, to, to look at it and to enjoy it. But I think he's uh, he's a, maybe a guy that could step up in playoffs games and i really think that he could score important goal to the end of the season and in the in the playoff as well yeah definitely it's going to be it's going to be exciting like you said he brings a lot of excitement to the team but definitely very important it's easier said than done i know for a lot of Habs fans but we got to temper our expectations not to mm-hmm. not expect them to carry the team uh well vance i know we've already taken up a lot of your time here we we really appreciate it no uh, so thanks for being with us is uh, where, where can we catch your work uh, of course, you can follow me on, on Twitter, Dustin. Uh, if you want to have some news about the QMGHL, I tweet about hockey as well, about prospects. Um, uh, I tweet about soccer. I'm a, I'm a passionate guy. I'm a passionate guy about sports. So you can follow me on Twitter at uh, at Arobas, like I said in French, Demi. So and I hope, I really hope, Dustin, that that my English was not that bad. Oh, today. It was great. It was great. I made an effort for you. That was my first interview in English. So I hope I did. I did not that bad. Really, I'm surprised. No, I'll, really, your your first interview. No, you did great. Uh, so we really appreciate it. Really appreciate you being with us today, uh, Vincent. And uh, we'll have to have you gone. Uh, have have you on again uh, sometime. It's a pleasure, uh, Dust- Dustin. I hope we uh, we can talk again uh, sooner than later. All right. Thanks again.